0: what's going on guys welcome back to another episode of the Pro GK podcast. my name is Omar Zini. Uh, in today's episode we have Jason Grubb of the Houston Dynamo. Jason is the academy goalkeeper director there and Jason to me is one of the top goalkeeper coaches in the country and somebody who's a great resource especially for me I've been watching a lot of clips of uh, Jason on YouTube for years and to finally have him on Instagram live for a QA uh, was a pleasure. And I know you guys will really enjoy this episode. But before we hop into the episode, guys, I just wanted to take a second and thank each and every one of you that donated to the GoFundMe for my computer. It was about 10 to 12 days ago where my computer crashed. It died on me, and obviously, I do all my editing. All my content is made from my uh, computer, and within a matter of minutes, it was gone. So the word got around. Michael Madge, a great friend of mine, he reached out to a few people and you guys responded like I've never, I just felt the love, and I just wanted to say thank you to all of you guys uh, for getting me back on my feet, and hopefully I can continue to make content for you guys and uh, push us through this quarantine until we're all back on the field very, very soon. And last thing before we get into the episode, if you guys haven't reviewed the podcast on Apple Podcasts, please, please review it. By rating and reviewing, it helps my channel grow by making it more recommended to other people who listen to goalkeeping content. So please, if you haven't done that, go ahead and do that for me. Again, guys, my name is Omar Zini. Enjoy this episode of Jason Grub of the Houston Dynamo. Take care. Jason, how are you? Omar, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Staying, uh, staying busy. So that's the beauty of all this. Is just I told somebody recently, it was just like being creative with your time now, or you can't be in your regular routine. So I'm just happy that it's it's been kind of moving at a good pace for me. How about you?
1: Absolutely. No, doing exactly the same really. Just taking just taking this time to reflect. Certainly away from the game a little bit more. Certainly spend some time catching up with family, which is obviously a bit overdue. And uh, no, just trying to keep
0: busy in other ways really. Love it. Well, I think we took a few minutes to get you in here, so I kind of want to just get it going. Just can you give me a little bit of background about yourself, Jason, so the, the viewers have an understanding of you know where you've been and uh, where the game has taken you so far?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I actually moved to the United States when I was 18 years old. I moved over with a coaching company called UK Elite Soccer, which were based in New Jersey. I spent five fantastic years there. Then uh, moved up north to Connecticut, where I started working full-time with Tony DeChico and the Soccer Plus Goalkeeper School. Had uh, seven and a half, eight fantastic years up in that northeast pocket before moving south to IMG Academy uh, down in uh, Bradenton, Florida. Uh, spent eleven, eleven and a half 11 and a half months down there before then moving across to the Houston Dynamo uh, in Texas.
0: Wow. Okay. So you've had a lot of, I mean, from Paul Rogers now at Houston to Tony DiChico, you've had a lot of great influences, great mentors. So over those years and working with, you know, legends like that in the goalkeeping position, how would you describe your coaching style and from a methodology, methodology, methodological standpoint and a social standpoint?
1: Yeah, I think it's a good question. I think uh, firstly, I would say it's evolving. Methodology and my style is constantly evolving, I would say, uh, daily, weekly, monthly, just as the game continues to change and throw up different demands for different demands for coaches. For me, I'd say one area that my methodology continues to evolve and uh, maybe changes, I've probably been very critical myself, that I've been very uh, technically driven uh, when it comes to developing goalkeepers. So the methodology for me, uh, my methodology continues to evolve in the way of making sure goalkeepers are developing, their game understanding, uh, the f- their physical preparation, the nutrition, and the professional side of the game. So that's, I'd say, my methodology has continued to to evolve. Certainly in that time, I've certainly been very, very critical of myself over the last couple of years of how I've started to how I've continued to to develop goalkeepers. Socially, I would say I'd like to think that all the keepers I work with feel comfortable and confident enough that they can. They can approach me with anything that they have going on, any worries that they have, whether it be on the field, whether it be on the field. I'd like to feel socially, I'm very approachable. So I've always took, took a lot of pride in, in in that aspect of certainly my coaching style.
0: Yeah, and I think to go off that point, you're talking about you know being approachable for the kids and being kind of that voice that allows them to feel comfortable and have a safe space to ask you questions that they may not feel comfortable because they may think it's not an appropriate question or a dumb question because they should know the answer. But how do you walk that fine line of, making sure that the goalkeepers, you know, respect you and respect what you say as an authoritative person, but at the same time too, you're not befriending them so closely that they don't take you as seriously. Yeah. I think, um,
1: I think one of the areas of, I would say I've evolved in as a, as a coach is my ability to, to maintain like an even kill with my emotions. So not getting too high when things are going really well and not go, not getting too low when things are not going so well. So I think as I've I've sort of progressed and maybe matured as a coach, I'd like to say that my emotions have stayed really even kill. So that way, that way, the goalkeepers I'm working with sort of can feel can feed off of that and, and hopefully feel that sort of energy from me. And then the other side of it is making sure that I'm using as much as I can a lot of question and answer techniques within the methodology. So ensuring that the goalkeepers have a voice, have a say. It's, it's, it's so important when working with young goalkeepers that you're constantly checking for that understanding. So using the question and answer technique is, is an unbelievable way of, of really identifying whether players are taking on board what's being said. The other part is, is that it's also giving them opportunity to have their own voice and developing their their own voice and their own styles and their own views, which is which is so important.
0: Yeah, and that's actually something that Tim Dittmer said uh, when he was on here a few days ago, is that when he has a session and he has five goalkeepers, he doesn't think of it as just five goalkeepers and one goalkeeper coach. He actually thinks of it as six goalkeeper coaches, so that each one of the goalkeepers are responsible for seeing something as well. So I'm guessing that's something that you look for with your Dynamo goalkeepers as well.
1: Absolutely, and, I, and I'd, I'd say that Tim has been extremely influential when it comes to certainly goalkeeping development over the last five six years i think what they're doing with the english fa and the dna and the pathway that they've created for for young goalkeepers and young goalkeeper coaches coming through has been absolutely fantastic uh and they're certainly they're certainly leaders uh within within the field of developing goalkeepers there's no question
0: that's awesome yeah i think uh like you said i think a lot of coaches coming in the idea of, I want to influence the technical side of things. is kind of a tunnel vision. You kind of feel that that's the only way you can influence them. So based on the social aspect, what kind of exercises do you have uh, within sessions that allow you to work on that social aspect? You said asking different questions or uh, can you just take maybe through like a process of you guys are working on certain techniques and you have five keepers. How do you approach each one uh, with a certain question or is it questions that you ask off the field and watching film?
1: Yeah, I think it's, I think it's very much two way, really. I think, um, I think it's really important throughout the course of the session to use question and answer or that guided discovery. Uh, and again, it that just re- refers back to whether the information is, is actually being taken on board and, and whether they're able to reflect uh, and, and take, take on the information and apply the information to what they're doing. I feel, I feel there's obviously some really good opportunity to, to do that within the session. And again, the other side of that is then using the question and answer to maybe change the tempos of sessions just so you're not maybe overloading the goalkeeper throughout the course of, of maybe it, maybe it is an exercise, maybe it is the course of your session. The use of question and answer, whether it's during a water break or during a, a small natural stoppage of your session is a, is a great way of, of creating uh, that two-way back-and-forth uh, conversation with it, within what you're doing. And it, you touched upon it as well, the when where you talked about then, the, the use of video. And it's something that we we're actually talking about yesterday uh, with the Dynamo uh, goalkeeping staff is is when are we using the video? How are we using the video? Uh, and then what are the techniques within that, within when we're, we're using the video with the keepers? What are some of the techniques that we're using to actually teach? So again, video is another f- phenomenal way of being able to identify whether it's, whether it's things that we're doing really, really well or small things that we need to continue to just just look on. But you know, within that, within the question and answer, it's there for guided discovery and, and, and you know, continued education and creating more and more intelligent goalkeepers, certainly certainly in the process.
0: Yeah. So on that topic of technical and maybe even over coaching by watching the film, I think Paul even mentioned it, that early in his career, he watched the film so often that he was kind of becoming so fixated on certain techniques that, he didn't allow the goalkeepers at times to just kind of go with the flow. And I think a lot of us can get get caught up in overcoaching. And uh, Anthony White, who is uh, at AFC Bournemouth, he mentioned that sometimes his mentality and what he aesthetically sees as the ideal technique for a goalkeeper may not fit every single profile. So I know here in California, and I'm sure in Houston as well, there's a big Latin American influence, and the way that they were taught the position compared to maybe the U.S. and in Europe may be a little bit different. So how have you gone about – getting those goalkeepers and not over coaching, but also working with the technique that they have?
1: Yeah, I'd say f- first and foremost, again, I've been extremely critical of myself. You know, as, I've, as I've taken this time to reflect, certainly over the last couple of weeks, and, and even in the last year, I've been, I've been probably too much to the side of uh, developing the technical aspect of the game. And that's been, that's been uh, a detriment to some of the goalkeepers that I've worked with. But again, that that's come with taking time to certainly mature as a coach and gain a greater understanding. You know, when you look at the look at the influence of of certainly the young goalkeepers that are that are in the area in the Houston area here and in the Texas area, you talk about the Latin American. First and foremost, they have a, an amazing sense for the game. They really do. Their game understanding is, is second to none. It's because the game is, is just inbred into them from such a young age. So it's important when I'm looking even at the technical aspect of the game, they have this feel for the game that I'll, there's a lot of goalkeepers that don't. So it's, it's really important that I take a close look at some of their technical traits. And I have, to, I have to understand what works for them. There may be some small and subtle changes that we bring into their game, but nothing that's major. You know, across the board. But again, I have to I have to constantly refer back to them. They know the game inside out. A lot of these young Latin American goalkeepers, that we're certainly seeing in this area. So there's something to be said there. Often they take up some very, very good positions, uh, and they do some very good things. So I have to, I have to constantly continue to work on those strengths and those aspects of their game, and maybe slowly start to change small details to their technical side but not in a drastic way but something that's going to fit them um, and not maybe fit the group again the other part is is understanding that every goalkeeper is going to look very different going to move very different going to have physical traits that are very different so again it's finding the small little pieces that will affect the individual's game and not the group's game
0: that's such a good answer i think I, i think that's a big one too of sometimes the the way you coach one player in the group may be different than the way you coach other, other goalkeepers in the group, which I guess is, again, it's very, very important that you have the ability to be adaptable. I think that's one term that I've heard a lot from coaches is adaptability within a session to offer different coaching points to different goalkeepers at specific moments. Um, but for you, Jason, now that you're in that academy system, you've been there for a few years, what are the little intangibles that you're looking for, for goalkeepers that you're bringing in?
1: Yeah, that's a, uh... That's a very open question uh, that we I'd say, between myself and Paul Rogers, Brenton Saylor, Ryan Coulter down at RGV, we're constantly asking ourselves each and every day of, of what we're actually, what we, what we want to see when goalkeepers come through the door. Uh, I think, first and foremost, in the most perfect world, they have a pure love for the position. Uh, that's not always going to be the case with every goalkeeper, but we want goalkeepers that ideally love the position and obviously love the game. The other, the other side of it is that we want goalkeepers that are very uh, intrinsically motivated. Uh, we get some young players that come through the door that are just naturally or gift, gifted when it comes to being intrinsically motivated. So right from the start, they're in the driving seat for their development. You know, there can't be a coach that wants it more than the player. Uh, they just can't. Um, and, and we've had a couple of examples here. Uh, and I've had a couple of examples here, here at the academy while well, I've been here where at times, maybe we want it a little bit more than the player. And, and that really can't be the way. The player has to be, first and foremost, intrinsically motivated to, to, want, to be, want to become better, a better player, a better goalkeeper, but also a better person in, the, in our community. And then the last bit for me is that they've got to be a winner. They have to have a winning mentality. So they've got to want to compete and win at everything that they do, whether it's from the gym, whether it's from their small activation in the warm-up whether it's from their session with me and then and then more importantly when they jump in with a team that has to transfer in with the team they have to be they have to have that willingness to want to win um and and there's just a couple of the traits that we're constantly looking looking at when you know young goalkeepers are coming through the door you know they're not they may not have all of them uh of course and some of those we're going to have to develop but we do we do look for them to have at least one or two of those traits that we can then continue to build, and mold, and develop as they move up the ladder uh, within the uh, within the academy.
0: Another great answer there, Jason. I think uh, it's for younger goalkeepers that are listening and tuning in, just understanding that you're not supposed to be a finished product at 13 and 14 years old. You just have to have those little intangibles. Love the game. Be a be a winner. Just have that hunger and, and eagerness to try and get better. Um, and Jason, I know you stepped in at Quinnipiac College as a young coach. Oh, sorry, were you going to say something?
1: No, no,
0: that was was, was, uh, spot on. Okay, so you stepped in at Quinnipiac College as a young coach. And I know a lot of, uh, actually I have a question here from one of the parents, but a lot of coaches and younger goalkeepers sometimes will look at different parts of the world and see how that, style of coaching and style and approach to the position is different here here in the U.S. So one of the questions I have here is from Jack Mack 142018. I think it's a mom. She says, what is the difference in game style do you feel there is between English goalkeepers and American goalkeepers? Her son has a scholarship somewhere in the United States. What do you think is the difference in coaching slash approach? So just to kind of tailor it back to the question I was going to ask you is when you stepped into Winnipeg College, and again, you have the English background, what was uh, what were the little challenges that you had stepping in with American goalkeepers?
1: Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, Quimpiak was a, an absolute amazing platform for me to develop, uh, not only as a coach but as a as a as a young man. I was surrounded by three very influential coaches um, in Eric De Costa, Dave Clark, and Chris Bart Williams. All three of them very very different, uh, but all three of them taught me. You know, huge parts of of not only life but different parts of the game and different parts of whether it be the planning or the execution of sessions or or living the role like a professional. For me, was again was a was an unbelievable platform uh, that really provided me as a coach the opportunity to to develop uh, that day to day relationship with a group of goalkeepers, but also a group of players that I wasn't getting when I was working. Uh, at the city youth level at the youth level while I was seeing maybe a, uh, a group of goalkeepers just twice a week as soon as I stepped in at Quimpiac, I'm now seeing them just say Monday through Friday and then we're playing either Saturday Sunday just depending on what the schedule was but yeah in regards to in regards to the the college setup here it's still a a fantastic platform for for players not only to grow as a, as a player, but also gain a, an unbelievable education and also have the opportunity to travel the country. When you look at the facilities at the college level, f- phenomenal. Um, you, you travel into some unbelievable places. The, the ability to travel around the country is there and the level of competition is very, very good. But I would say all in all, um, it was an unbelievable, unbelievable platform for me to continue to develop myself as a, as a coach and then also put myself around like-minded young players that have aspirations in the professional game. The amount of the amount of players that that come from Quimpiak and then went into the professional world and the professional game was fantastic and great credit to uh, Eric Costa for producing these players. One of them being uh, Brett Utley, who's now the assistant coach down at um, into Miami. Tremendous, tremendous mind when it comes to coaching. But yeah, just being surrounded by very very much like-minded individuals that that really tested me on a day-to-day basis
0: uh so building off that point uh jason the goalkeepers that you had how did their technique and their approach to the position i guess uh their upbringing how did it differ or was there any similarities to how you coached the position
1: yeah i actually uh i actually inherited a an english goalkeeper while i was there so and then the two the two uh and i had two american goalkeepers and if you if you think back to if you look at the the traits between the U.S. and the uh, English goalkeepers, I would say technically they're very, very, they're very similar in, in many ways. Again, when you look at the American athlete, if you like, the hand-eye coordination here is second to none because of the sports that they grew up on. When you think about developing goalkeepers back home, you know, when I think about it, it's um, in the past it's been very, very technically driven. So again, having a solid set shape, solid foundation to what you're doing. Uh, to everything that you do is there. So it was, actually very, it was actually a very, very simple transition when stepping into work with the keepers at Quimpiac. Again, for me, very, very similar to what I may have experienced back home. The only difference for me being is because I had more time with the player, I was able then to go deeper into the game. Uh, this was the first real opportunity I had to then delve into providing video feedback on a consistent basis when it comes to the game or when it comes to training. Uh, it also gave me the opportunity to start to develop the professional mindset when it comes to the travel, the gym, the nutrition. Yeah, that sort of gave me my first taste into that that expectation and that environment. But in regards to the actual keepers I was working with, there really wasn't a big difference. And, you know, there, there's so many fantastic goalkeeper coaches now working at, at the college level. I just feel it's a, it, it, it's a continued platform for young goalkeepers to continue to develop.
0: There's no question. So when you... When you go from Quinnipiac, I don't know how to say the word, Quinnipiac College, and then Quinnipiac, then you go to IMG, where now I think you're training, it's like an academy system, right? So you're training goalkeepers multiple times a week, correct?
1: Yeah, so it was a really interesting transition for me, Omar. The wrong reason I wanted to transition into or from the college game to an academy game is I felt that I could affect uh, players at an earlier age. Um, So it was a transition that I wanted to make. Um, So it's now moving to IMG, it really gave me the opportunity to work with goalkeepers aged between 14 to 18. Um, it's really that, if you like, that high school age group. What it also gave me the opportunity to do was work with the goalkeepers, again, at that age, on a, on a day-to-day basis. So I'd have the goalkeepers four to five times a week uh, with Kevin Hartman, and then we'd obviously have games at the weekend. Because we had full control of the environment, there was no rush when it came to developing the goalkeeper. Again, this was my first real taste into actually being able to take a little bit more time, be more thoughtful with my planning preparation, not only over the course of maybe a month, but now looking at over the course of a year. So looking at the longevity of my planning, this was really the first opportunity I had to to really delve into this side of the game. Then I could start to really think about, okay, how are we developing the goalkeepers socially, uh, psychologically? The physical element of the game, as we touched upon, uh, the nutrition, they really have all of the facilities available at IMG that, that were, again, second to none. The other part of being at IMG that was really um, a big turning point for me was the professional development. And I'll touch upon this in a few different ways. Firstly, the professional development in regards to, at the time I was there, they had the US Youth uh, National Team uh, Residency Programme, so the under-17s there. And I give Anthony Latrolica great credit because he took me under his wing almost every day to provide me an insight into what the youth international game looked like, uh, not only within the US, but across the world. He would spend a lot of his own time with myself, giving me a lot of information. So I I give a lot of credit to Anthony Latrolica for all the time that he spent with me. The other side is, is that the amount of professional teams that were cycling through img academy because it's a it's a hotbed for whether it's winter break camps or pre-season camp the access we had to players and coaches and then the viewing of sessions was a terrific insight for me when it comes to watching how the professional world works and works on not only a a day-to-day basis but a camp basis so that was really really important to me it was a a really important time of my uh, development
0: for sure great and again picking off on on what you're talking about there about you're seeing different levels and different types of goalkeepers that are coming through, especially even professional teams that are coming through Bradenton as well. Um, I have a question here from one of my friends, Jason Smith, and he asks, you know, what are the top characteristics of keepers from the U17 to U19 DA age groups going into a collegiate or professional environment? So um, the reason I kind of followed it up with this question was from what you saw at the IMG and now with Houston, what are those little things that you've noticed are – super important for those young goalkeepers at the 17 18 19 level to really hone in on and focus on
1: yeah i think first and foremost is the intrinsic motivation that i touched upon they have to have pure ownership of their own development We're obviously with our guidance but they have to have the ownership of, of their own development they also have to have the willingness and the capability to be uncomfortable and they have to be able to adapt to uncomfortable environments I wouldn't say quickly, but over time. We want to see young players. We've recently had a 15-year-old goalkeeper training with the first team. It's not going to look perfect on day one, but does he have the uh, mental capacity to be able to cope with the pressures that come with day-to-day football at that level? So are they able to cope with the pressure over not only a week, but two weeks, a month? Um, to basically buy themselves more time to to give them more training opportunities at at that level. So being able to cope with the pressures of the game that's above them is absolutely huge. I would say then the ability to to actually live their life like a professional. Uh, A lot of young players have a lot of, if you like, distractions, whether it's from from family, whether it's from friends, social groups. They have a lot of distractions um, away from the game. And it's then the ability to then stay professional, stay on track with what they what they want to do, and then obviously be able to then execute the gym work, the nutrition, the sleep, you name it, living your life like a professional. They have to be able to do that from such a young age if they're going to give themselves a chance of competing at the top level at an, er- at an early age.
0: Yeah, Jason, and I mean that's a great point. I think that's one thing that may have detracted me from my professional career, getting to the professional level, is that I always just ate, slept for the weekend only, but didn't create structured habits, which I think over time can catch up to you if you don't uh, take care of your body. and physically, I'm 27 now. and Physically, sometimes I just feel exhausted. I'm like, I shouldn't be feeling this tired. But had I stretched, had I eaten properly, had I done proper stretching and gym workouts, maybe I'd feel a bit better. But it's never too late. So anybody listening, make sure that that's something that you, you pick up on right away.
1: The, the other thing I'll add there, Romar, is I, you know, I'm continuing to go through it now as a, as a young coach I would say I was very uh, naive to the physical, physical development of goalkeeper coaches. Um, and it's a huge area of the game that I'm constantly looking to develop within, my, within myself, um, you know, maintaining the fitness, maintaining the strength, the coordination, because working with keepers as a goalkeeper coach it can be physically very, very demanding. I'd say at every level, but especially the academy level where you're having to do multiple sessions a day.
0: Absolutely. And Jason, again, I want to follow up on that point we're talking about now because I know a lot of younger goalkeeper coaches, they don't have the academy setting. So they may have like their own private uh, academy and they train these kids maybe once at most twice a week because they have their club obligations and stuff like that. So how would you recommend younger coaches who don't see these goalkeepers every single day to like what 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 should they be prioritizing with the development of those younger goalkeepers in terms of like every category and, and categorizing the importance of each one?
1: Yeah, I think. For, firstly, I would start with, um, you know, banding it into some sort of age band development. So, if just for example, if we take if they if it's a younger groups, just say it's 9 through eleven, then the, the heavy priority has to be more towards the, the technical and basic physical development, called motor skills, more uh, coordination, etc. So developing those traits within, within young goalkeepers is huge. And then the small tactical pieces, absolutely massive. If you're then progress into working with older groups, physically, some of the workloads are going to look a little bit different. Um, some of the tactical scenarios are going to become certainly more difficult. Maybe the pictures start to become a little bit more bigger. But then the technical work starts to become more specific to the individual, even in those settings. And then if you're working with – if you do have senior goalkeepers at, at that level – or more senior keepers at that level, then again it becomes more and more specialized to the individual.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I have a question here from Jake Davis. And he says, What was the toughest thing about stepping into your role at quinnipiac uh, Quinnipiac <laughs> compared to the hardest part about your transition into Houston?
1: Yeah, I I think it's a great question. I think as I look back at the time at Quinnipiac, I was I was very young. I think I was twenty four, twenty-four when I went into the school. So uh when I went into the program. So firstly Again, great credit to Coach Eric de Costa because he he had a lot of faith in me as as a as a young as a young coach, and I was very similar in age to a lot of the players, so I had to make sure yeah, I was very self-aware. As I had to have, so you know, obviously a social separation that's absolutely vital, um, that's that's extremely key. But I also had to have that professional separation in regards to yeah, I'm on the coaching side and not the playing side, although I'm very, very, very similar in age. So I had to make sure I maintained that uh, distance. And I, and I was very self-aware of that going into that. And I believe at the time I handled that extremely well. I, th- I felt as if that was an area that I, I felt I, I was strong in. So that was certainly one of the things that, that certainly stuck with me during my early time at Quimpia. And I developed those relationships in different ways and that maybe that trust in players in different ways over the course of time but I was also very, very approachable during that time. Uh, very, very approachable and, uh, again, hopefully relatable. Um, and then moving into moving into Houston, I'd say that one of the biggest things for me was extremely eye-opening was then the attention to detail on a day-to-day basis and understanding that training is just not what takes place on the field. You know, when you look at our goalkeepers now compared to, I, I I'd i say when I first started working with them, certainly in my preparation, I would say now they're now starting in the gym and finishing in the gym. They're in doing their video work before training. So they, there's a bigger picture to training. It's just not what's going on on the field. So I think from a, from a learning curve coming into Houston, it was very, very steep. Certainly that first year, I made a lot of mistakes. There's no question. Um, I'd like to think I didn't make the same mistake twice. Um, and I learned from each mistake, but I certainly made a lot of mistakes you know early on as I, as I, as I was evolving in that environment and understanding that environment and that 's at every level at the the academy level and at the first and when I was in, I've been involved in the first team and then um, yeah, just seeing the, seeing the games as a, as a bigger picture, or seeing training as a bigger picture it being the gym work it being it being the hydration, even leaning into the day before practice, certainly in in this part of the country.
0: Uh, Great answer there. Yeah. And you, your trajectory and coaching has has been coupled with some great mentors and some great people around you to, you know, share their experiences, but also expose you to different experiences as a coach that you feel again, maybe a little bit uncomfortable because your methods may not be completely aligned with their methods but at the same time you know as as we do in, in coaching it's the ebbs and flows and figuring out how what to filter in what to keep out and the reason why i bring that up is because you stepped in with probably one of the best mentors in the game paul rogers and i actually had nathan thackeray on here a few days ago and he was mentioning his experience with paul and how just didn't even have, he didn't even have to see him on the field he said one time he brought him into an to the office watched some footage of a let's say 10 minute footage of a, of a session. And he said, "Show me what techniques you see here. What did you see?" And again, I guess Nathan had like five, and then Paul had like fifteen. And he said he gained my respect like that because he's so technically sound and the way he sees the game, the way he analyzes things is next level. So um, my question to you, uh, Jason, is: You know, has the way you approach the co- uh, coaching the position changed since your time at the Dynamo with Paul?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm potentially Paul's listening, so I have to be careful what I say, <laughs> right? But no on uh, on a on a serious front. It, it certainly has. I mean, Paul was someone that I was very, very aware of before I even had the chance to to, to meet or work with Paul. He's someone that I I studied a lot himself. Phil Wedden, both two two fantastic goalkeepers. I, I spent a lot of time studying their their sort of pathways within the game, their methodologies, and certainly the way they they not only teach goalkeepers, but their coach education. But both, both absolutely fantastic. So. You know, going back a few years now, I was very intrigued with their ideas of how they're developing goalkeepers and their experiences of the game, not only within the country but from around the world. I think when when I talk about how my sort of uh, time or how I've may may have changed while you know during my time here in Houston, and certainly underneath the guidance of Paul Rogers, I feel there's a few things that that strike me, and for me, Paul has. you know, obviously an incredible eye when it comes to the attention to detail, not only on the technical side of the game uh, the tactical side of the game, but just knowing the game in general, so constantly having those conversations just about the game about scenarios i wouldn't i don't want to say the mentality of goalkeepers but the understanding of situations in the game is second to none and we're, i'd say we're constantly being challenged on our, on on our thoughts and our views on a, on a daily basis but the other part that really really strikes me about Uh, my development here is is that there's a there's a pure honesty uh on a daily basis when it comes to our conversations and how we how we interact with each other that's the biggest thing i'd say i've taken from being in the professional environment is that you cannot there's no room for any type of gray area when it comes to conversation you have to be extremely honest and almost to the point you can't beat around the bush with any conversation and I think the, the reason that is very important is because players respect that. Players want to hear that. They don't want to be sold or be, be given information that is just not relevant to them. Uh, but players respect, or the goalkeepers certainly the club have respected, not only the management that they've had, but the honesty and the openness to every conversation. And I'll take that through from the academy all the way through to the first team. It's something we've tried to instill at every level and every layer uh, at the academy. So that's been a big certainly a big part of my development, uh, being able to have those very open and honest and brutal conversations that sometimes are uncomfortable, uh, but they're the reality of the world. But it's another part of being able to develop strong characters within the keepers. They're able to hopefully they're able to to take that uh, and, and and apply it to themselves to to make them not only a better person but a better goalkeeper. Uh,
0: again, I think it's it's uh, it comes down to the level sometimes where you think about you don't want to step on anybody's toes, and again, sometimes understanding the psycho the psychology of the goalkeepers you're dealing with. Some goalkeepers may need that blunt, you know, honest truth, and sometimes other goalkeepers who may not have that framework, you know, mentally to bounce back or take that criticism. So you sometimes have to approach every you know personality a little bit different um but do you think like you just said there just being as honest and as blunt as you can sometimes to not beat around the bush is that something that like a youth coach who may be stepping into a professional environment which you know i know you and paul uh work hand in hand and with the first team sometimes when you step into there is that are there certain mistakes that young coaches would make at that next level and did you make any and how did you i guess get your way out of those and and figure that that stuff out
1: yeah no there's there's been, uh, I would say, there's been many mistakes that I've made. Certainly, um, step again stepping into both environments, whether it be the academy, whether it be the youth international game, or whether it be being within the first team or at, or at the USO level. There's definitely a number for sure, and I can give you I can give you a really good example. Last year, or maybe eight, 16 months ago, Paul Rogers was away with the US licensing, uh, and I stepped in to to take one of the sessions. And obviously, when you when you're stepping in. You, Not only are you really excited, but you're probably full of enthusiasm like I was. Although in my mind, the session would have been a, if you like, a a lower workload session in my mind and on paper. Certainly throughout the course of the session, the workload become too high. And the data after the session reflected that. The one thing I would say is that there's no hiding place. When you get to the first team level, there's no hiding place, Whether whether it's video, whether it's the players' feedback, or whether it's actual hard data from the GPS units, so, you know, you look, at the, you look at that session, for example, and the workload ended up being too high for the goalkeepers. Well, that's not on them. That's on me. Uh, that's on the detail of my preparation for the session. There's nothing wrong necessarily with the actual exercise or the, the final picture of the session that we're trying to get to. But maybe the number of reps between is. And sometimes as a young goalkeeper or young goalkeeper coach, we don't necessarily have the understanding for the, the feel for that because we're not in the environment on a day-to-day basis. That may take time and a bit of experience, but that's certainly something that I learned the hard way, but I learned very, very quickly uh, and certainly become more and more aware to. So that's, just, that's really some of my experiences stepping into that environment. There's, that, there's no hiding place for any lack of detail.
0: Yeah, great point. And just, and I kind of want to pick your brain on this because uh, I spoke to Andrew Sparks about this recently. And he was talking about you know the first thing he did when he stepped into Southampton and even uh, Orlando Pirates is that you know, hey, I want to pick each of each of your brains, see what makes you tick, and see what you need in terms of a training environment to get you 100 percent ready for that. You know, the weekend game. So with you stepping in now with the academy in Houston, do you have those similar conversations um, with the younger goalkeepers to see? you know, what you feel or what they feel they may need uh, to to get from you throughout the sessions, throughout the week to be 100% ready for the weekend?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, Andrew is a fantastic example of a, a young young coach that has progressed in the game tremendously. And it, he's, at, he's had and having an absolutely unbelievable career and a great impact on not only goalkeepers, but goalkeeper coaches for sure. Um, and that's something that I've certainly taken from him. But the... Um, yeah, the, the ability to have those conversations uh, with with all of your keepers at every age, huge. I think the earlier you can start having those conversations within within the developmental pathway, if you can expose your young goalkeepers to those questions because so they become more self-aware of their own development, you'll only speed up the process when they become 15, 16, 17, where then results start to matter and performances really start to matter you'll be that much further down the road. So I, I believe having those, having those conversations, those conversations also create stronger relationships between the two. Um, and the player, it's important that the player understands that it is a two-way thing. It's not just the coach's word. Uh, the relationship has to be a two-way. Uh, and we want, co- we, want, we want to be able to produce goalkeepers, certainly here at the academy, that certainly ask the question, why are we doing something? If they're not asking why, then we're just producing robots. They have, to, they have to be comfortable and confident enough to be able to ask, well, well, why is this relevant and realistic to the game? At what moment would this occur? And we have to be able to, to trigger that within goalkeepers. And again, yeah, it comes back to that relationship that, that you have. But the earlier you can spark that, the, I think the better your, 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 your environment will be, the more healthy yeah. the environment will be, for sure.
0: Agreed. Yeah. And I think, you know, over time, it's important to, you said, instill those questions in them so they have, they take more ownership in their game. They have an understanding of exactly what they want uh, from their sessions so that they have a voice and they build that voice over time. And, you know, last night, Jason, I was watching some of your sessions. And I mean, from the youth ages up until the professional level, your sessions to me are probably one of the most well thought out ones. I think your session structure to me is brilliant. I think there's always a purpose for what you do. And uh, one thing that Todd Hofford mentioned when he was on here was that he doesn't necessarily change the training and the, the little bit here and there, but the way he structures his sessions from youth goalkeepers up until the first team, they're very similar because again, the the needs of the goalkeepers in, you know, in, in the game, technique-wise and tactical-wise are very similar. Of course, changing the speed and all that stuff. But the thing that he changes is what his expectation is from each level. So, Let's talk about, say, one expectation from a youth goalkeepers, and then after that, we'll talk about uh, you talk about your session structure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I uh, I really enjoyed listening to to Todd talk and touch upon that subject because it's a really interesting one, and I know uh, Paul also touched and talked about it. It's something that we talk about a lot as well. I think um, I think the big, certainly the big difference as you move through is that the structure you want the structure to stay somewhat the same. Again, that's for if you're, if you're looking at the academy to professional environments, you want to create that consistency. Consistency will breed uh, confidence uh, when players do move from move progress up but also digress down. Think about it when first team goalkeepers have to move back down maybe to the USL level uh, to play games. They want to have that uh, continuity certainly within the environment and that's really, really important to, do, to development. Um, I would say the big difference, not so much the structure, the expectation will come in the level of consistency from young players to senior players. so younger players they may be able to, to execute um, whether it be a technique a movement, but it might not be on a consistent basis. so that's something that we have to be mindful of but also patient as coaches and that's going to change certainly as they grow and go through their different growth spurts that movements the coordination the hand-eye coordination the, the technical execution is going to look just a little bit different as they do evolve so i would say the big difference is the consistency of the execution um we want the expectation to be to be high all the time but our understanding is that younger players are going to be inconsistent and we have to be okay with that as coaches we have to be patient with that process
0: great so what well, any tips for coaches who are trying to make their sessions more realistic? Yeah,
1: I would always, I always refer, on a day-to-day basis, I always refer back to what is the final picture that I would like to see. So I start every session with, what does the final picture look like? So to give you an example, each day the, the academy lads will receive what we determine is a high-level clip. Uh, that high-level clip is typically from an MLS game, and it's of a scenario and that scenario could be as simple as a cut, just say a cutback cross. Um, but the question I pose to all the goalkeepers on the day is that from this cutback cross, what's, what could be the outcome? Now, there could be 100 different outcomes. But the idea is, is that they understand that there's going to be a final picture to then multiple different outcomes within the game to, to help develop that decision-making. So I would always start with what the final picture looks like and then try to work back to, to figure out what are all the demands that the final picture could crop up. And then start to look closer at the details of, of what the final picture is gonna crop up and break that all the way back down to the, to the technical and the activation components, all the way through to like the movement piece in the warm up. So your warm ups can look different on a day to day basis because the movement prep of, of every session will look at maybe a slightly different gear towards the actual outcome of the, the final picture. Um, the other part is, I'd say is that the, sometimes when you're working in the academy, because you're working with multiple goalkeepers that may be playing for multiple teams within the academy, not every session is going to align perfectly. And this is something I've come to, you know, I've come to terms with is that that's okay. Sometimes a goalkeeper may be working with me on one scenario or one picture, but may go back in with the team and it be a, be a different picture altogether. And one of the things I would say is that that's absolutely fine. Um, and the reason is, is, is actually Tim Dittmar touched upon it recently in one of his webinars. He touched upon then the ability for goalkeepers to be adaptable. And I think it's a fantastic point. And I think, you know, as I look back, maybe I, I've, I've been guilty of taking some of that adaptability out of the goalkeepers when they've gone from not only environment to environment, but situation to situation. So it's something I've certainly taken a lot more time to, to certainly think and reflect about
0: yeah again, as much as much as we want our goalkeepers to be adaptable, us coaches as well have to be very much adaptable as well. And I think again, something that Andrew Sparks mentioned was that adaptability is is easy or it's easier to do if you're organized as a coach. So if your session structure uh, is maybe not aligned with what the coach is uh, asking of the of the goalkeepers once they step into the team environment, it's maybe because you're organized and know, okay, I want to tr- today I want to see how adaptable these goalkeepers are and where their mindset goes when they're thrown into a completely different environment. Do you feel like that's something that you have like thought out thinking, okay, I'm going to have some chaos in this situation. I really want to see what the goalkeeper, uh, how they react.
1: Yeah. Again, you know, it goes back to your first question of methodology and, and really the, the big thing for me is that the evolution of, of how we're trying to develop the, the goalkeeper, it c- continues to change and change. In, in that regard, and I, again, I'll, I'll refer back to myself. I'll, I'll be very critical of myself when I, I come to think of scenarios that I may have put keepers in. It may have, it may have been too structured and too technical uh, and looking for too much of the perfect picture when the reality of the game is that that's just not the case. Um, so I think as a coach or a young coach, that's, that's an area of the game that I constantly refer back to is the realism, the feel, and the look. To be able to create that adaptability. And the idea is that the game is not perfect. That's a big thing that I have to keep referring back to, certainly with myself and in my preparation. Yes, you want the scenario to be as realistic as possible, but the outcome doesn't need to look perfect every time because you lose then the ability to adapt, improvise, uh, and be a little bit more off the cuff. So I think you lose something. So I, again, when I look back over the last couple of years, I think that's that's an area that i've I've had to make and i continue to make larger changes in
0: yeah again that's a great point that you're, that you're making there that sometimes we can get so fixated on the session looking good and our goalkeepers walking out of the session feeling amazing because again it is a pride thing that as coaches we want for me at least is that when you work with me i think sometimes i go okay when you work with me i want it to be an experience and i want the experience to be a good one and again i'm i do more private sessions so i get those goalkeepers and be once at the most twice a week. So I want them to leave feeling like they got something out of it. Or like we tell you that you talked, uh, touched upon earlier is that you give them too many reps and you kill their body. And then again, maybe the coaching points that you're making towards the end of the session are because they're exhausted. And how often do we get exhausted in games? Correct. So it's, it's again, it's, it's the ebbs and flows of a coach trial and error, but it's again, it's very important to be reflective and understand that. Okay. Don't get complacent because things are going well, but now talking to you, talking to other coaches, to me, my mind has been, going 100 miles an hour thinking, man, have I been doing it wrong? How can I change? So it's, it's good. As much as we want our goalkeepers to reflect on what they're going through, us as well, we have to reflect on what we're going through as well. But yes, and So one of those points that you made there is it's not always going to be perfect. And I think one point that Paul made when he was on here was the fact that he doesn't have last rep has to be a good rep in his vocabulary or last rep. Okay. If he didn't make the save, we're going to go again. So do you feel like you've adopted that or did he kind of maybe instill that into you or what's your approach on that?
1: Yeah, certainly. I think it's, um, actually I think it's a really good point because again, I think it comes back to one of the traits that we look for within not any young goalkeepers, but goalkeepers across the board is that we want to produce winners, um, and if we want to produce winners, you can't necessarily have something back. You have to be accountable to be able to take, take whatever's thrown at you in the moment. So if you're constantly saying, well, you'll get it again, or, okay, we'll finish on a save, then are we actually breeding what, we, what we're looking for within, within our goalkeepers? So I actually, I actually have ad- adopted that. And again, it comes back to being a little bit more ruthless with your approach at times. You know, with younger ones, yes, you wanna you wanna make sure they're finishing in a good place, certainly with the younger ones. But with those with those more senior goalkeepers, what we call more pre-professional, and our you know our youth 15s that are entering that pre-professional, we have to be a little bit more more cutthroat when it comes to okay, we want to be able to produce winners, so making sure they're maximising every opportunity they have a training and, uh, and actually finishing as close to the game as possible. And sometimes that is conceding.
0: Yeah, it is. And I, it's very true. And that's, again, that's the, the, the point that I know a lot of kids have reached out to me and coaches have reached out to me about the ruthlessness that sometimes Paul may have. And I think to me, it was just, it was such a good reminder, understanding that, it's important that these young goalkeepers, you need to find out if they're they're made from the right stuff at a young age. And if you put some pressure on them and they can't react, what's going to happen when they step into a first team environment and people are yelling profanities, the, the stakes are much higher. So um, in your own sessions, Jason, how do you create those stakes and how do you... Uh, work on the psychology for those guys. I know maybe, like, you know, it, it, not everything's going to be perfect. And the last rep, you know, if it goes between your legs, doesn't matter. We move on to the next one. But are there any other little psychological pressures or like stress things that you throw into the goalkeepers during the sessions that maybe shows you more of a picture of what they are and what their mental makeup is?
1: Yeah, I think firstly, the ability to have competition within the session. So whether that's set by the goalkeeper coach. Or whether it's set within the group of keepers, you know, often a lot of young aspiring professionals are extremely competitive. That's why they're playing at this on the stage that they're playing. So sometimes that happens naturally within the session. But any time you've got some layer of competition, that's huge. The other side is that you do start to you do start to see big differences in goalkeepers when you start to work on scenarios that are actually realistic to the game. And what I mean by that is the game's throwing up um, a lot more and more opportunities that are happening between the penalty spot and the six-yard box or, or slightly inside the six-yard box. So as soon as you put goalkeepers in scenarios where it becomes more, not only realistic, but where they have to be braver, you start to see the differences in the goalkeepers that actually have that mentality and willingness to, to actually keep the ball at the back of the net and those who don't. So it's actually the environments that we're constantly putting them in every day where it's not only one realistic, but two where they have to make, hopefully make saves that are actually changing the momentum of games. And have they got the, not only the psychological edge, but have they got the personality to come up with that one big save?
0: I mean, yeah, that's again, everything, everything that you've been saying is very aligned with how Tim Dittmer approaches, how Andrew Sparks, Phil... Todd, uh, Chris Sharp, all these guys, how they approach it is very similar to how you guys, to me, it's, it's good to know that across the board, you guys have the idea that every session you put forward for your goalkeepers, you're trying to paint as best of a picture as you can, whether it's psychological, physical, uh, whatever it is, so that once they come into the weekend, you have a better, they have a better understanding of how to react because they've already been in those situations. So uh, Jason, I have, we have about five minutes left and I have two more questions for you. Uh, one is and it's been amazing so far, some, some great uh, responses there. And we have, uh, our, from my notes, you were with the U18 and U20 women's national teams, correct? In some camps,
1: that is correct,
0: yeah. So what did you feel, I know a lot of young kids who listen to the podcast and listen to these Instagram lives, Is what did you feel those goalkeepers at that age level had that separated them from other goalkeepers in their age level to get them to national team camps?
1: Yeah, the um... Firstly, it, it was an unbelievable experience. You know, Unfortunately, they were both pretty short-lived. I had one camp with the under-18s and then one camp with the under-20s. The under-20s was an interesting one because it was a World Cup cycle. So it was, it was a fun experience, you know, sort of jumping onto the camp and then jumping off in preparation for them going to the World Cup in Papua New Guinea. So it was a phenomenal experience for myself. But the one difference for me that they have, personality. And, and that personality takes shape in many different ways. But the ownership they have on their own development, again, like I've harped on a, on a number of times, was second to none. Extremely uh, self-driven to want to personally develop and personally persevere in the game uh, and in the position. So that was huge. For me, that was, that was a big difference that I'd seen coming from working with the goalkeepers on a day-to-day basis, just say at IMG, um, or back in Connecticut to them working at, with these young youth international goalkeepers, huge huge difference. They ho- they obviously have a lot of technical understanding, very very somewhat consistent. But again, their, their ability to their, and their personality was just very very strong to be able to cope with the demands of of international football at that at that stage.
0: Yeah, no, I think you can always tell which goalkeepers take it seriously and which don't. And I think it comes back to our point about the physical side of things. You can always tell who's eating properly, who's stretching properly. I have a guy that I work with, Noah Abrams. He does st- stretches before the sessions and after sessions that are very calculated. So to me, again, it's it's taking that investment in in being, you know, accountable for your development, understanding what you need and what you don't need uh, to put yourself in the best position possible to not just come come weekend, but come uh, training sessions, which is super important. Um, Jason, so I have uh, move about it.
1: Go ahead. The only thing I the only thing I'll add. That- onto that as well, Omar, is that the, the young international goalkeepers are extremely open-minded just because of the amount of changes to youth international goalkeeper coaches coming through the camps because they don't have a lot of consistency. All the ones I seem to work with were very, very open-minded to new ideas. Not necessarily new methods, but new ideas and maybe some slight changes within their game. Extremely open-minded and, and, and willing to, to take on information, which was
0: second to them. I think too that that goes up to the top as well if you're a goalkeeper coach who's working with these goalkeepers most times like I'm sure you notice with your dynamo goalkeepers that they take after your personality so if you're open-minded and you're open to listening to what they have to say and what their demands are as goalkeepers they're going to also take that away and go coach Jason was really open-minded so now maybe I should be like that as well. Um, Okay Jason, we have about 30 seconds just quick any little tips now Uh, actually you know what for you what do you feel has made A huge difference for you and what your personality traits are to get you to this point go 30 seconds
1: just being extremely patient with the process uh it's something i've had to learn learn along the way i i'm someone who wants everything done yesterday i would like everything to be done yesterday but i (laughs) understand that there's a process and i have to be patient and it's not always going to be perfect we might within youth development you may take a step back before you take two steps forward um, and just staying really really patient with all, all of the process that's the biggest thing that, that I've continued to to revert back to
0: amen Jason Grubb, Houston Dynamo academy we'll talk soon it might cut off in about any second now so we'll talk soon pleasure of course you're the man talk soon all right